Hi, this is Mark Wilson. I want to welcome you to another edition of the Purple Fish Podcast, Crucial Conversations on Evangelism. Today, I'd like to reflect a little more on the revival that's been happening in our nation at Asbury University and then at other places. Little pockets have been popping up all over the place. And I've just been excited to see the beautiful things that God has been doing right here at Southern Wesleyan University. I mean, it's not the same thing as Asbury, um, but it's its own thing. And, and we just live into what God is doing in our midst, in our situation. And I think that's the key to be faithful to it. So we had a group of pastors, for instance, who who uh, came to campus just last week, retired pastors who wanted to come and pray for our students. And it just turned into this beautiful prayer meeting as they, they heard reports of revival amongst our students. Our students shared what Jesus had done for them and Jesus blessed everybody. Um, we have students that are going to churches now and other venues and sharing what Jesus has done for them. And uh, just a couple of days ago, there was uh, a campus uh, uh, ambassador. This is a student who uh, who gives tours of campuses, and God has just been doing a beautiful thing in her heart. And so she's giving a tour of the campus to a prospective employee. And as she showed them Freedoms Hill Church, a small chapel um, on our university campus, she just began to share her testimony of what Jesus had done for her. And it turned into a prayer and praise meeting <laughs> right there, right there on the spot. And they cried and it was holy water. That's what that is. So it's just beautiful to see. And whenever I see a revival fire, I want to throw gasoline on that. I don't want to throw water on that. But I've noticed that there are some responses that we're getting. And and uh, it's important to really take a look at at the objections or the responses, because there there are two ditches I think that people can fall into when it comes to responding to revival. One of the ditches I've seen with some of our students who actually went to Asbury, but they did not experience the same kind of uh, joy or elation or ecstasy that other students did. So then they begin to wonder, what's the matter with me? Maybe there's sin in my heart. Maybe there's something wrong with me that I'm not experiencing this joy that they are experiencing. But God is processing this with them. And you don't have to just have the same experience that somebody else does to have the same spiritual victory or to be in a very good place spiritually. In fact, um, John Wesley uh, himself found that out. He, When his heart was strangely warmed, he says, I trusted in Christ. He's my savior, but I'm just going to open his journal right here. Here's, here's what it says. He says, um, and I began to pray with all my might for those who had despitefully used me and persecuted me. And I test, testified openly to what I first felt on my heart, but it was not long before the enemy suggested, this can't be faith because where's your joy? And then I was taught that peace and victory over sin are essential to faith in the captain of our salvation, but that as to the transports of joy that usually attend the beginning of it, especially in those who have mourned deeply, God sometimes gives and sometimes withholds according to the counsel of his will. He says, so after my return home, I was buffeted with many temptations, but I cried out and they all fled away. So you can see even John Wesley himself 
um, struggled with the idea of where is my joy. So the the first ditch I would say is self-condemnation that you're not maybe experiencing it or feeling it the same way other people do. And so then we say, what's wrong with, with me? And there, there, there's a problem with an expectation. See, if we have an expectation of exactly how God's going to do something in our lives, and then it doesn't happen exactly that way, then we end up being disappointed. It's kind of like a little kid who expects a certain specific gift for Christmas. And then uh, there's a wonderful gift, but it's not the exact gift that that kid wanted. And then the kid's disappointed instead of being happy about the gift that he did get. So I would suggest instead of the word expectation, we should replace it with expectancy. The expectancy is there's a mystery out there. We don't know exactly what it's going to be, but but we have an expectancy that God's going to do something. And so we just want to join him in whatever it is that he's doing. And that way we don't have to beat ourselves up or fall under self-condemnation. We don't have to say, what's wrong with with our church that we're not experiencing revival like those churches or, or maybe other universities? What's the matter with us that we're not like Asbury? We're not called to be Asbury. We're called to be faithful to what God has called us to do. In fact, what I'm noticing here amongst our students is it's a quieter kind of revival. It's a smaller, underneath the surface kind of thing, but it's happening, and it's actually been happening for two years. Students have been meeting and praying, and they, they gather every Sunday night for worship and praise, and the students preach. And I mean, they just have really been pressing in to know God and, and to help others know Him and so what, what's been happening at Asbury is just sort of icing on the cake to what's already been going on. So, so we don't have to compare ourselves with anybody or anything. The main thing is just to be faithful to what God has called us to do and to be and just leave the results to him. The other ditch on the other side are people from the outside that look in and they see these uh, people maybe going to Asbury and, and, and getting all fired up and they get the reports. I say, well, that's not revival because it's not coming out exactly the way I think it should. <laughs> that's a judgmentalism, harsh judgmentalism. Uh, Watchman Nee, the great Chinese evangelist said, there's, there's nothing that's done greater damage to, to the Christian testimony than our trying to be right and demanding rightness from everybody else. <laughs> as soon as you become the quality control mechanism for the church, um, you're going to make yourself miserable. And what I've seen, the scripture says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. There's nothing wrong with young people seeking Jesus and rejoicing in him when they get their hearts filled up. Psalm 1611, you fill me with joy in your presence. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians 4, 4, Nehemiah 8:10. the joy of the Lord is my strength. John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. John Wesley said of a character of a Methodist, a Methodist is one who was happy in God, always happy, having a well of water springing up into everlasting life, overflowing the soul with peace and joy. Uh, John Wesley also said that this is the evidence of, hell, of holiness, having perfect love in your heart. He said, are you rejoicing evermore? Are you praying without ceasing? Are you giving thanks in everything? 
well, wait a minute. Doesn't that just kind of conflict what I said earlier? Like that, that maybe you don't have the joy and he said he didn't have the joy. Well, here, here's the point. What you feel at a particular moment is not the issue. The question is, am I going to be a rejoicing Christian? Am I going to choose to rejoice? So is this a denial of hard reality? No, it's not a denial of hard reality. Second Corinthians 7, 4 says, in all my troubles, my hard realities, my joy knows no bounds. First Peter 4.13, rejoice as you suffer in, as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. And, and Matthew 5 and Luke 6 both say um, to the words of Jesus, he says, rejoice when you're persecuted. So, so, so there's hard stuff and there's things that would cause not joy to be within us, unhappiness and sadness and difficulty and hardship. And of course, those things are very real. But we must fight back with joy. You fight back with joy. It's your weapon and you can use it. See, God is greater than whatever it is that's the matter. God is greater than your present reality. So you can say like David in Psalm 42, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And so, like, if you are um, condemning yourself because you're not rejoicing as much as you should, just, just make it a, an attempt to say, I'm going to praise him anyway. I'm going to praise him through the storm. I'm going to press right on in to go after Jesus as much as I can. And if you're on the opposite side of that, looking skeptically at the revival and all those rejoicing Christians, maybe instead of pointing a finger at them and being negative about it, maybe what you should say is, Lord, give me some of that. And if you're struggling through to find your joy, I just have a few quick thoughts for you. Um, the first thing is to process your negative emotions. Your, your negative emotions shouldn't drive your life. They are the dashboard indicators to tell you that something is amiss. And so if there's sadness or if there's anger or if there's fear or anxiety, you want to look at that and say, why am I feeling that? Don't deny it. You feel it. Embrace it. But then you give it to Jesus. You surrender it to Jesus. You give it to him in an all-in way and say, Lord, I'm all yours, all yours. I I, I give up my, my right to control things. I, I relinquish my expectation of how you should work. I, I'm not going to expect that you're going to make life easy for me, but I, I have expectancy that you're going to do something beautiful somehow, some way. You're going to work this for my good and for your glory. And then I suggest you cultivate gratitude. You just begin to thank God for things. Count your blessings. Look for ways that God is at work and join him in that. And maybe practice generosity. Just be a giving person rather than looking for what you're going to get. What am I going to give? One of my students who was at the Asbury Revival was saying that he felt kind of, um, uh, well, he, he felt he felt like like the joy wasn't there and, and the, the elation wasn't there that he thought was going to be. And he was actually a little bit bored. He, he said, I, my mind started wandering. And he said, and, 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 and I, I thought, what's the matter with me, Lord? What's the matter with me? And then, and then he said, God spoke to his heart and said, you, you aren't here for you. You're here for others. Go bless other people. They asked for college students to serve communion 
And so he volunteered. He said, well, I'm going to start serving others then. If I'm not feeling it, I'm just going to be generous in my with my energy and my time, and I'm going to serve others. And so he goes out to serve others. And guess what? He had no idea that his mother was there, but she actually had showed up to the very same meeting, and he ended up serving his mother communion. What an amazing thing. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. I also want to suggest that God gives free refills. If you feel empty, drained, dry, you just go back to the well and he'll fill your heart right back up again. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, these these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the faith is God is in control. Hope, something good is on the way. And love, I am not alone. I'm never, never alone. So it doesn't matter how much water your boat is in. What matters is whether the water gets in the boat. And if your your boat is leaking water, bail it out and keep on trusting in Jesus. Patch the leaks and keep on trusting in Jesus. The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and will take refuge in him. God bless you. Live for Jesus. Live in the overflow.